For today's episode of Guest Practices, I welcome Anna Liebel. Anna specialises in helping male leaders in technology to get out of firefighter mode and become the proactive, compassionate and brilliant leaders they want to be and enjoy the ride as they go. Anna's background is in engineering and project management and back in the corporate days, she met too many amazing humans who acted as stressed, overwhelmed managers, firefighters. She's committed to shifting the workplace practices to empower these brilliant humans to become genius leaders, as she calls it. Anna hails from the Ukraine and now lives with her family in Iceland, and her practice is highly customised to address the needs and the current situation of every leader she works with. Let's hear more. Hello and welcome to this episode of Guest Practices. I'm welcoming Anna Liebel today, who's going to be talking to us about genius leadership. Anna, welcome. Hi, Jeremy, and thank you so much for inviting me to your videocast. It's an absolute pleasure. And why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, your business and your passion? Mm, conveniently, those things are actually very aligned, so it will be two in one. <laughs> I am Anna Liebel, as you said. I'm Ukrainian living in Iceland at the moment. This is my home since two and a half years ago. And I've been abroad since 2010, so quite a quite a big part of my life. So um, by now, and I'm uh, having my own business, and I call myself a mind shifter because I create transformations. You talk about the digital transformations a lot in the companies and with your clients, and I create transformations in people's minds. So we shift the way they think through our work together, and and then they go and continue uh, working on that shift. Uh, for the rest of their life. And as I said, conveniently, that's both what I work with and what is my passion. Excellent. Well, it's the first time that I've ever had a mind shifter, I would say, uh, on the on these guest practices. I love that. We all know that it starts with attitude and mindset. So, uh, and, and I love this concept of genius leadership, and perhaps you could explain it a little bit further what it is and why is it so important for leaders to grasp, particularly as we emerge from the pandemic and years of business transformation? Yeah, for sure. I, I think this is very aligned with what you're talking about, Jeremy, in, in your practice, in your book and all these uh, episodes that I've seen so far. So genius leadership for me is leading from your zone of genius. And Zone of Genius is a bit broader than what many people would probably know from Jake Hendrick's book, um, the big leap. For me, it's the flow of living. So you know the concept of concept of flow when you are so immersed in some activity that you love so much that you lose track of time and nothing exists, just you here and now. And beautiful as this concept is, I feel like life happens. And it happens more often than we would like it to sometimes. So being in the state of flow with whatever we do is a bit difficult. But I want to create this state of like flow of living where you are so aligned with your inner core, you have a strong inner compass that really helps you navigate the stormy seas of life. And having this alignment and having this navigation present, omnipresent in your life and every day, it gets gets you in the flow. And all the storms in the seas of life don't really get you off course. And you still feel like you're you're still aligned with your purpose and you're still on track 
with your general life, like your life in general. Even if there are some bad days, if there are some bad moments where we're maybe not behaving in the in the way how we would like to be as the ultimate best version of ourselves, we still feel light and we still feel that yeah, it's all going in the right direction. So this is the zone of genius. And leadership or genius leadership is really to finding about finding your zone of genius and get having the strategies to lead from it as often as possible, as long as possible. And whenever life happens and you're thrown out of that zone, you have the strategies to come back as soon as possible in a, a way that is most like is least painful, let's let's say it that way. And, and going to the second part of your question about the uh, why is it important for the leaders, I think it's very important to remind, remind ourselves that leadership starts with us. We can't lead the others without being successful with lead, leading ourselves. And that's why I want see, to see every leader having this inner core, very strong, this inner compass, being very omnipresent there and, and showing the way for them so that it's easier for them to lead the others in a successful way. Love that, the inner compass. And a few things that you said there, that living in the state of flow, I get exactly what you mean. We all know that when we're in that flow and when it happens, things just kind of feel right. They go right. And they and time flies when you're having fun, as they all mm-hmm. as they always say, right, as well. And that's where, presumably, that's where that zone of genius is found, uh, regardless of what life throws at you. Those are the moments where perhaps we're most confident to deal with uh with what life throws at us but of course i think you you have to find that first don't you uh, have you have you um based on the customers that that you work with just a, an additional question i thought of particularly going through the year that we that we have just had what difficulties have you found that have maybe disrupted the flow for some of the people that you're working with it's a good, very good question, Jeremy, and I think my answer will not be a surprise for anyone. It is the state of unknown. Uh, there were so many leaders who said, I don't know how to handle that. We don't have any SOBs in my company, how to send people home if we find out that someone is uh, COVID positive. So it was a lot about inventing the wheel as we go. And the leaders generally are the people who everyone look at to get the answers. And especially in these times when everyone was uncertain, when everyone was scared, they were also that, but they still had to show this kind of peace and have the, the spirits up for everyone around them. So this was the extra weight on the shoulders of the, of the leaders in the last year. And unfortunately, this is something that this weight is too heavy for some people. And this is the danger that I see that a lot of leaders are just keep carrying it on themselves alone. That's very dangerous space and a very dangerous path to go. And that's why I want to have more conversations about the leaders who are actually having support, whether it's within the organization or outside of it, so that we can actually normalize it. And we get out of this really weird picture of the of the world that the leader on the top has to be the one who knows everything, the one who is supposed to 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 lead everyone, but not needs need any help himself. We really need to change that and make this shift. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And of course, we're in the era of accelerated failure. And if you're constantly kind of alone and isolated in that, you're not you're not being more collective in terms of using the power of people around you, uh, your management team, other peer leaders, etc. In fact, McKinsey talk about senior level leaders right now over about 80% failing over the next two years because they're not adapting or redefining what sex success looks like for the for the decade ahead you know so I'm so in terms of genius leadership what are the how should I describe it leadership um superpowers that will define the very best genius leaders from the rest over the decade ahead I love the question, Jeremy. And I think you already started answering it yourself in the question. We're talking about the redefining success, right? And we're talking about failing fast. So failing just because you fail fast doesn't mean that you move, move closer to the success. Because you need to have the mindset of learning. And you need to believe that failures is feedback. So just because you're failing doesn't mean that you're actually succeeding or getting closer to that, right? So first thing is really redefining failure and getting into the habit of reflecting and learning from your failures. Just that will actually help you get to the success, right? And redefine what success is for you. And the superpower, if we talk about that, to me, is the reflection. As we talk about the genius leadership, a lot of that is in self-leadership. As I said earlier, you can't successfully lead others if you can't really manage and lead yourself. And the habit of of creating space for yourself to reflect every day, what is going well, what could be better, what am I grateful for, what kind of help I would need from myself or from the others. Those are the superpowers that we can all tap into. They don't cost You just need a pen and paper. Most probably you have those tools in your home already. And it's just really taking a couple of minutes in the end of the day and giving yourself space to feel inwards what's going on, what works, what doesn't, and deciding on what kind of actions do I want to take now before I go to bed? What kind of actions do I want to take tomorrow? So that the failure does become feedback and we do loop it and we create this path to success. And you've you've just given me the you keep you keep on you keep on saying great new things here, which give me the idea for another question. So forgive me, I'm going to add yet another one. So that self reflection is important, but what about feedback from others as well to validate that or to move that forward? Well, that's very important for sure, and I think the one goes very well in hand with the other. The thing is that the the leaders whom I see who have this habit of reflecting themselves they're more open to feedback from from the others. It just creates this kind of curiosity, like, okay, this is my perception. So what do the others think? Is it aligned with like, my picture of my life, of my behavior and so on? Is it aligned with, the, with my team, with my peers and so on? So you start craving more of that because it feeds your curiosity. So it's it's really well aligned with each other. And the thing is that feedback from the others can land in a bad way, right? If you don't have a strong self-esteem, you take it personally. You don't take it as facts or people's perception. You take it as your failure as a human being, your identity as a failure. 
And this is why it's important to keep on keep the practice of giving feedback to yourself with the self-reflection, because that is what strengthens your self-esteem. You're really getting into the habit of knowing that you're worth just as you are. And a bad day doesn't define a bad life, a bad action of yours in the work situation doesn't define you as a failure or a bad person. So you create an identity that is independent of your actions and especially independent of the external factors. And this is super important. So once you have this strong inner core, as, as I said earlier, this strong identity that is, that is based on your worth, just as a human being as you are, then it's much easier to take the feedback from outside as the information for yourself that helps you continuously develop as a person, as a leader, and as the uh, contributor in the team. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I, and I do, I do recognize the point that you made there. A bad day doesn't make a, a bad, a bad life or a bad week or a bad month or a bad whatever. But sometimes it can feel like that when you're in the moment. So you do need that period of self reflection and you do need that feedback for others. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that can hurt, but sometimes it's needed. Um, and I guess it all goes to help build that strength. And, for me, it's interesting to know if if there are any examples out there that you can quote of leaders or organizations who are practicing these traits and the benefits that they're realizing. I could give some big examples that everyone knows, but I actually would like to get away from that because it's harder for people to relate to those examples because they think like, oh, Amazon and Jeff, they're so big. Like, I'm just light years away away from that. So I want to give an example of one of my uh, interviewees. So as uh, you've been uh, on a Genius Leadership Podcast just last week, and one of my first guests was the founder here in Iceland. His company is called Grid, the new face of spreadsheets, quite a fascinating company. And he himself, Jalma Gislason, is a serial entrepreneur. So this is his fifth, fifth company. And we discussed with him how his journey has been from the first company that was like a couple of nerdy friends sitting together. A couple of them were university dropouts to create this company and how they focused on the technical solution and how now in his fifth company, he got into the people solutions and focusing on that because he realized that a lot of technical solutions or technical problems don't actually have technical solutions. They have people root causes, so people problems, Thus, to really solve them, you need to find people's solutions. And he's talking about that if, if I would have interviewed him 10 years ago, he would never believed that he would ever have a coach. But in this company at Grid, they had a coach on board from day one of the company. And that coach at the moment is there around two, year, two days per week and is available to everyone in the company. And both on a team level, but also on an individual level and also for the leadership team as the help for them. He's also involved in the onboarding processes and hiring. And I think it's very important to, to look at those kind of stories and see like, okay, Yalmar himself, he's an introvert. He's talking about that openly on his LinkedIn, how he had struggles with that as a teenage uh, teenager when he would go into the shop and uh, shop assistant ask him how he could uh, help. And Yalmar would just walk out of the <laughs> out of the shop and those kind of things. And he's openly talking about the struggles of himself as a leader. And he's sharing his journey and he is showing like how that is affecting the company. He's built 
a company culture before he's decided what kind of company that will be. So before he decided what kind of solution that the, he would be creating with his next company, he created a booklet where he wrote everything that matters to him from the people perspective. And in our interview, we're discussing how they're actually living that daily. So it's not about creating that booklet and then just having it dust in somewhere in the office. It's really about living every day. He's given examples of that. And also how he is helping his team live those, by example, how they're integrating them in the meetings, what kind of questions they're discussing, what kind of discussions they have when they try to take a decision. So for me, this is a great example of showing that that's a person who is super successful. He's appreciated in the startup scene here and also in the US where he used to live before coming back to Iceland. And he's not having this kind of prestige to say like, I know it all because I'm supposed to, I'm a leader and I like have to guide you all here. No, he's showing that, okay, some things I don't know. Here's where I'm evolving. Here's how I'm getting help to evolve, both within the company, but also from outside. And I think this is a great example for me to, to, to show how success and being in a way vulnerable and open about your flows don't are not mutually exclusive. Oh, I totally agree. And it sounds like he's building a learning culture, a coaching culture, putting ego to one side. And of course, it brings people along with with them, doesn't it? And it it, it keeps leadership grounded. And that's quite an interesting one for me because I hear a lot more of that when we talk about startups, entrepreneurs, founders. So let me ask you this then. So if we consider, let's say, more traditional leaders, uh, existing leaders who've been in perhaps a a corporate role for, for many years, how can those existing leaders adopt the mindset and actions to start their own genius leadership, either journey or continue their learning to, to become a genius leader? It's possible. I, I want to give hope here. Good, good. <laughs> and, I, I, and I had leaders in my corporate back, uh, uh, back in the corporate times of mine where uh, there were leaders who were open in this way. So one of the big organizations where I was, the department manager, he was leading over 300 people at that moment. And he would, first of all, walk the talk. You know, We talk a lot about, about the leadership that you need to know what's going on. Uh, in different parts of the organization. So he would walk the corridors. He would just chat with people. You would see him every day, all the time. I would be running around talking to people as well as, as I was in project management. And I always see him talking, chatting to someone at the coffee machine, at their tables and so on. So it wasn't the person who would be just hiding in his office and taking meetings one-to-one. No, he was seen there and he wanted everyone to be seen. So this is one of the things. Walk the floor, talk to people. Second thing I would say, he was, like just given his example, he uh, had a weekly newsletter sending out to the whole organizations and there was a particular structure to it. And, and it would always start with one paragraph about his own personal life, what he did with his family on the weekend, what kind of projects he's having in his garden or with his boat or whatever it is, what kind of events he's looking, to, looking forward to. So people got to know him not as this kind of the guy somewhere up there who is taking decisions for, for all of us. No, he was one of us. I know it's a very important part as well. And then it would be a bit about the uh, what is going on in the organization, of course, like two or three paragraphs. And the last paragraph would be some kind of golden star. So he always tried to showcase, to lift up some of the employees. And he would write like this week's golden star goes to Jeremy for 
And that again showed that he sees people. He talks to his managers about what's going on in their teams. So this is the parts of the recipe. I'm not saying that this is the whole picture, but really getting to know people on a personal level. And of course, you don't have to dig into their dirty laundry, let's say. Like you need to get a feel where the boundaries go with each person that you have on your team, but still show that you want to get to know them, show that you see them and you want to uh, to hear from them and then acknowledge people. And also bring yourself as a person, not only as a decision maker, uh, to the floor, to the table, to the discussion. I hope that makes sense. Makes total sense. And in fact, there's so much research out there right now talking about the most important traits and trends at leadership level are all human centered. So you've been talking about this for many years and, and it's true. It's, it's that human touch becomes more important than it ever was. I mean, even if we put the pandemic to one side before we, before we hit this, this new decade, we were going through transformations, digital workforce, ways of working, flexible working, internationalization versus local, lots of things were hitting things, but you know, the, the most successful leaders out there demonstrate great empathy. They demonstrate this great human touch. They talk about and genuinely value others. And of course, they don't put themselves up on a pedestal or behind a desk in an ivory tower uh, as they as they might have done in the last century. Um, but one thing you mentioned there is quite quite interesting because because the you know they, this human center and the the human touch and as you describe this leader this this being one of us, if you like, from from the rest of you is, is really important and interesting. Now I know that you work in. Um, many of the tech industries, and you advise startups and uh, and founders. So often, when you have startups and founders, not always, but but often, now you have highly technically skilled people who have this great idea, but perhaps they've not had that human touch or that 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 benefit of understanding of what it takes to mobilize, engage, and motivate others behind their vision. So how do you advise them to adopt genius leadership from day one? So actually they can start building their culture around their expertise with the human touch at the center of it. Yeah, that's such a, such a great question, Jeremy. And to go further, I would say like I do work with, in different tech industries and I have chosen to work only with men. So if women come to me, I still have some old clients who are women, but the new clients, I don't take women in. I refer them to other people, great coaches whom I know and whom I trust in my network. And that is partly because we talk a lot about the empathy and being vulnerable and so on. The research shows that those are the traits that leaders need to have in order to succeed and to bring people on board and to keep people on board now and in a sustainable way for both the leader and the organization and the people. But our men have never been taught to practice those traits. We bring our guys or boys up uh, to be strong, to be the one who knows everything, to, and that it just doesn't go together. And those clients of mine who, might, who come to me, like, they want to be those great leaders that the modern workplaces demand, but they don't know how. And that is why I've chosen to work with men only, because that way I can create a safe space where they can explore. 
And talking about how we do it from day one is through self-reflection. Creating a space where you can be curious about yourself, creating a space where you can be challenged, but in a loving and caring way, if you want. It's safe to do it and there is no judgment. And you can do it yourself. You can just use some self-help books, for example, and go through those practices yourself. But if you feel like you get stuck and you have questions, then seek help. You, Jeremy, are helping leaders in, in a similar way. And your book, The Inner CEO, which we discussed on my show last week, it's it's a great help that way, right? You can open up people to explore and get self-empowered. And that's what we're talking about, creating the space for yourself to learn how you function, how you think, how you react, what assumptions do you take. So when you get clarity on those things, it get, gets easier to get yourself out of the equation when it is about other people for example, because you don't sit there being self-occupied when you're in a feedback conversation with your employee, you know your part of the story and you come in there with intention to serve your employee with this feedback. And then it's all about that. And then it's so much easier to connect to people, to feel like to, to help them feel that they're seen, they're understood and they're supported. And for that, you really need to be, to have a good home base with yourself. Yes, I understand. And uh, it does, I mean, for the last couple of questions, it does raise then a very important point for me, is that what is the cost for those leaders that ignore this advice and say, I don't need this. I know how to run my business. and I'm not going to go down that road. And on the flip side of that, what are the upsides that actually tangibly are realized by those leaders that suddenly look back and think they've practiced this and they, wow, look what we've achieved. Mm. Yeah, what a, an important question to raise, Jeremy. On the personal level, I'll say the cost of not doing that that I have observed is burnout, divorces, health issues, mental issues. If that is not a strong cost enough then we we could discuss further <laughs> on the organizational level. We're talking about the high employee turnover so much and the costs related to that. It costs so much to hire people, to educate them, to get them truly aligned with the company culture. And, and then losing the, the, all this knowledge and talent, that costs a lot. And by being a great leader, you can help your organization to stay more stable. You can help your talent like stay there and you, you can retain the talent and nurture them so that they keep thriving within your organization. So if we're talking about the tangible results of being a good leader and taking care of yourself as well, first of all, being selfish and then coming to the organization and, and really being present and to, totally pouring your heart and your energy into your employees, we're talking about saving a lot of money in the company. And affecting the bottom line. And again, it's about the burnouts within the organization. If you can support your employees, you can, if you can provide or create the culture where everyone is thriving, then you don't have to see your people hit the wall. This is also a very strong motivator for many of my clients to be better every day. Yeah, it strikes me as that combination of that more self-aware genius leader but underpinned by a 
culture which represents where that where the modern workplace and where that leader wants to take it in this more sort of human centered way i can see those two things working together and the cost is the cost is clear i mean there's some there's some big things on that list uh, and this burnout divorce mental health employee turnover but also it not just on the leader you can see that all happening with the employees and companies like that as well because Often the leaders are hiring like-minded people. It builds a culture which isn't adaptable to, to that, and it starts to impact the whole. But then the flip side, of course, you you put that you you kind of put that on its head. Actually, it becomes way more attractive to potential employees. You start to look for difference. You start to welcome feedback, uh, diversity of thinking, all of these things that that help. So. A really fascinating journey into the world of uh, genius leadership, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm sure that any male-only leaders who, uh, as you so rightly said, who would want to get in touch to to really start to mine their core of genius leadership and understand what that means for them. How do they get hold of you and contact you? I'm most present on on LinkedIn, so you can find me by my name, Anna Liebel. And uh, if you want to listen more in, in silence or without contacting me, just to tune into the Genius Leadership Podcast. Uh, it's on most platforms where podcasts are. So you, that way you can get to know me a bit better before you reach out. And just to make make it clear, if you're a, a woman and listen to this and it resonates, you're still welcome to, to contact me. And as I said, if you want to work on your leadership, I will more than be more than happy to get to know you a bit better, get to know your situation and your needs, and then refer you to someone in my uh, network because I have so many fantastic coaches who are working with women in my network, and I would love to connect you with them. And that's great. Uh, but I would reinforce the point that you said before. I think it's so important, as we've seen from the pandemic um, in Iceland, in Finland, in New Zealand, the role of women in leadership and that demonstration of great decision making and tough decision making with great empathy is what's making the difference. And I think, you know, your role in the middle of this with perhaps um, traditional male leaders who who need a little bit of understanding around that cannot be underestimated right now. So thank you so much for joining us. And it's been a great conversation. And I'm sure many have got a lot out of this and will be um, typing an email as we speak. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate your time, Jeremy, and the invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining our guest practices videocast. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel through the link below or check out our website to access more in our current series of expert interviews.